0: You're listening to The OddsCast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA odds maker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting.
1: Oddsbreaker.com.
0: Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the OddsCast, presented by BetDSI. I'm Brian Hemminger joined today by leading mixed martial arts odds maker Nick Kalikas to break down this Saturday's UFC on ESPN Plus 18 event, which takes place in Copenhagen, Denmark. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. Looking back at our last event, Kyle Marley's premium bets for UFC on ESPN Plus 17 lost two units overall. Kyle has his bets and fantasy MMA picks available now on MMAOddsBreaker.com. Back to the present, UFC on ESPN Plus 18 features a 13-fight card in total and will be aired exclusively on ESPN Plus this Saturday afternoon. Let's dive right in. Now kicking things off on the preliminary card is a bantamweight fight between Jack Shore, who is 11 and 11-0, and NoHelen Hernandez, who is 10 and 10-3. Now Nick. Where did this fight open and how has the public shifted
1: things so far? As always, a couple quick shout outs before we get rolling here. The updated odds are going to come from betdsi.eu. So make sure you guys head over to betdsi.eu. If you don't have an account, sign up. They're a great place to be. And also head over to mmaodsbreaker.com, Click on our premium picks tab. Big Marley 3, Kyle Marley, has a max bet for you guys available. I mean, he's very confident in this bet. Obviously, it's a 10-unit play. So you guys got to get on board and check out his max bet. And also, he has his DraftKings package available as well. DraftKings, he kills it all the time. He's one of the best out there in the world, of course, at both. So you guys are missing out if you're not checking out Big Marley 3's packages on MMAodsbreaker.com or premium picks tab. So check that out. Now, getting right into the fight, Jack Shore open minus 245. The comeback on Hernandez was plus 175. And currently over at SI, we are seeing short minus 169 to come back on Hernandez at plus 141. So line margins have tightened up, more action coming in on Hernandez early on. I think a lot of people, even though Hernandez lost his debut fight against Vera stepping in on short notice against that high level competition like he did, I think a lot of people gained respect because he did really well early on in that fight. And what you get with Hernandez is a very solid striker. He's been in the game for a while, fought solid competition, and he's improving for sure. He's got that that it factor about him that he could definitely do some damage on the feed. He could be a very successful fighter if he continues to round out his game. And I'm saying that because he still has a little bit of a flawed game on the ground, and that's what got him in trouble in his last fight. And that could get him in trouble here against Jack Shore as well. Shore, a Cage Warriors champion. He's a Bantamweight champion. He's faced really high-level competition in the Cage Warriors organization. As you guys know in the past, these guys, Cage Warriors has delivered some great fighters to the UFC roster, including Bisping, uh, Conor McGregor, just Dan Hardy, amongst others. So cage warriors is where it's at outside of the ufc one of the biggest and best leagues you can compete in to get really real good time experience for sure so shore is one of those guys he's a champion for a reason he's faced decent competition and he's ready to make his ufc debut here and he definitely has some advantages in this fight and most of it being on the ground so on the feet though i do like what i see from shore he's a technical fighter solid boxing and kicking game as well um he mixes things up. He digs to the body. So there's a lot to like. He just doesn't have that maybe one-punch knockout power um compared to Hernandez, at least, as in this matchup. But overall, he's the better fighter. He wants to get this fight to the ground in this matchup in specific. And once he does get the fight to the floor, I think he could definitely exploit Hernandez on the ground. And he could either win by submission or do enough to kind of edge out a decision win. So that's where it's at. It's basically... Even though Shore's not just a, a your typical grappler, he's better than that. I just think in this matchup, it's going to be your grappler versus striker matchup, and Shore's going to be the grappler. I think he does probably get it down and have success doing so. A Tough fight, tough to bet at the betting window, though, because I think Hernandez is getting better. And if he's able to keep this fight upright, he can win this fight. So that said, though, I like the more rounded, well-rounded skill set of Shore, and I think he's going to do enough to win his fight.
0: Yeah, I'll give Hernandez his props. He he was looking pretty good in that fight against uh Vera, winning the first round before he did eventually get caught with a submission. Uh that being said, uh Jack Shore is very very good. I mean, this guy 11 and 0 as a professional, 12 and 0 as an amateur, and it's for a reason. He has uh excellent wrestling, some very good top control, um and his stand up is above average. Uh so he can beat people in all different facets of the game. But uh, his biggest strength definitely is his ability to to get fights to the floor and then work people over on the ground, whether with uh, ground and pound, submissions, you name it, or just uh, holding the position uh, and, and winning the fight there with a decision. So uh, realistically... Hernandez, if he's going to win, he needs to keep this fight at range and work his boxing because that's really the only significant advantage he has in the fight, and it's not even that significant. So, uh, and it's just going to be tough for him to do that because uh, Shore is a guy that he's not going to be uh, telegraphing takedowns from half the way across the cage. He actually likes to, to close the distance, get into the clinch, work trips, and uh, drag people to the ground. So, uh, the second shore closes the distance. I think Hernandez is going to be in some trouble. Uh, submission defense is uh, definitely one of the weaknesses of Hernandez's game. And I think his, uh, grappling defense is not particularly effective overall. So if he does get put on his back, I can see him losing all three rounds and I can see shore potentially getting a stoppage as well from top position. So, uh, Hernandez will have uh maybe a couple moments when he does have some space, but for the most part I see Shore on top on the ground getting the job done. So uh Jack Shore is going to be my pick. Now moving up to the lightweight division, okay. we have Mark DiCasey who is 13 and 3 taking on Lando Vanetta who is 10 3 and 2. Now Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one?
1: Die Casey open minus 135, Vanetta minus 105. And right now over at BetDSI, Casey minus 152, Vanetta plus 127. Line margins have tightened up A little bit more actually coming in on Casey, but there is some action coming in of Vanetta as well. It's just kind of settling two-way action, So the line's not going crazy either way. It's an awesome fight. Um, I'm surprised more people aren't coming in of Vanetta at this point. Um, it seems like he is the more well-rounded and more capable fighter in some ways in this matchup. But Die Casey's improvement has kind of, I think, neutralized a lot of that. So I think where it's at right now, realistically die casey should be a favorite in this fight and i like what i see from him again his progression in his career for sure vanetta he is probably the more complete fighter. He does have that wrestling background. And he's got some awesome technique on the feet, even spin kicks. He has power. He's got accuracy. He's dangerous on the feet for sure. Um, and then, of course, on the ground, he's got that wrestling. I was talking about ground and pound ability to finish on the ground by submission as well. So he is a very complete fighter. He's just a little bit flawed when it comes to strike defense. He does start to slow down as well on the feet. Uh, so he's a hittable fighter. And against DiCasey, that's not a good sign. I think DiCasey is the more... Athletic, the more diverse striker on the feet. He's going to be able to utilize that explosiveness, that speed, those angles. Um, his takedown defense is getting a lot better. He's hard to keep down, and I mean, if you watch him fight by fight, you can see the level of improvement in his game. And I think he's got more upside at this point, and he's going to continue to, to improve. Where Vanetta is kind of plateaued, I think at this point, and I don't see much improvement for him either. So again, more upside for Dai Casey. I like what I see from his striking. I think he's going to be able to keep this fight on the feet. I think he's going to be able to do some damage to Veneta along the way. It'll be close. Don't get me wrong. I mean. Veneta that is definitely going to have his moments, and a lot of them probably in his fight. But that said, I still think Dicase is going to come out in the end ahead. And I think, you know, as this fight goes, it closer, gets closer a little bit. If the line drops a little bit, Dicase is definitely going to be worth a small play at least. Um, if it climbs a little bit more, then I would stay away from it, honestly, because I think it's almost about right where it is. Maybe a little bit of value left. But again, if it drops down, I, I would recommend uh, betting Die Casey in this spot. So my pick is Die Casey I think he does get it done, possibly by finish. But if not, I think he edges out the scorecards anyway.
0: And I agree completely. Uh, Dai Casey and Vanetta, this should be a really exciting fight. Both guys are capable of really exciting finishes. Uh, Dai Casey um, has a lot more just pure punching power. Vanetta does have some power for sure as well. And he's a little bit more unorthodox. So he can uh, get those swinging back fists, uh, just all kinds of different attacks that potentially could catch Dai Casey, but uh, Dai Casey has a pretty strong chin. So uh, I think that's where Vanetta could get himself in some trouble because uh, he's a guy that is a strong starter, looks to take his opponent out quickly. And if that doesn't work, that's when he gets himself in a lot of trouble because uh, as he slows down, his opponents usually take over and then fights that he started really strong end up turning into draws or uh, fights that, you know, maybe he had really strong, opening minute or two, he ends up losing by stoppage. So uh I expect uh Dia Casey has the ability, the durability, and the, the technical skill to survive Vanetta's uh, big opening salvo. And, and Diakase is capable of a really quick finish in his own right. So don't be uh, shocked if uh, Vanetta swings looking for the finish and potentially Dia Casey takes him out quickly. But uh, overall, I think Dia Casey's wrestling combined with the technical skills and his durability and conditioning uh put him over the edge here. Uh Vanetta I just don't really see how he wins because uh I don't he's technically better than Die Casey striking. I don't think he has the conditioning to win a decision, and Die Casey should be uh technical enough on the feet and durable enough on the feet to uh withstand some uh Vanetta's best shots if he does get a few through uh Die Casey's defenses. So I just think uh at some point Die Casey the 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 tide of the fight will switch to him and he wins at least rounds 2 and 3 if not getting a stoppage along the way so my pick's going to be Mark Dye-Casey. now dropping down to the women's bantamweight division we have Macy Chason who is 5 and 0 taking on Lena Landsberg who is 9 and 4 now Nick
1: where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far Chase on open minus 380. The comeback on Landsberg at plus 260. And right now, what we're seeing over at BetDSI is currently Chase on minus 400. The comeback plus 304 on Landsberg. It kind of has been bouncing up and uh, back and forth a little bit. Chase on was a little bit higher of a favorite. Now it's coming back down a little bit. So it'll probably stay around four to one. It's a tough one. I mean, obviously the script is kind of written for Chase on to get the W here. As far as momentum on her side, she's the hype prospect, the ultimate fighter everything, her background thus far, the way she's destroyed all her UFC competition, Chase is legit. She's a future title contender. That's how she's being groomed. And she's delivering thus far. I mean, good training camp, excellent skill set. Obviously, she excels on the ground more so than anything else. I mean, she has a dominant ground game and a finishing ability is something special, really. And Landsberg, on the other hand, has showed some life as well. I mean, I think she's an underrated fighter. Very tough, um, durable in most cases. Obviously, she has a ton of experience, and for Chason, this is going to probably be her toughest test to date. I think if Landsberg can find some success in the clinch, if she can keep this fight upright, it gets interesting. Even though Chason has a length and has several advantages, including youth, I mean, across the board, there's check marks for Chason in this fight, so I get it, but I still think this is going to be a solid test. So I like the matchmaking by the UFC here. I think that uh, they can, they're matching her up properly. She, they're taking the right steps here, and I think this is just going to be another one. So I understand it. I just think this is going to be tough for me to confidently bet chase on at the current price at around minus 400 or so, but I do think she gets a win. So I'm not going to waste no more time. I think basically she gets it to the floor and she exploits Landsberg. I think that's where she's weakest at is on the ground. And if she could get position, she probably finishes it on the ground. So my pick is chase on to win.
0: And I agree. Uh, chase on definitely seems like a fighter on the rise in the, the women's band and weight division. Uh, she's very physically strong. She's quite dangerous if she can get top position. Um and she's just bigger. Uh, you know, and I just don't think Landsberg has the physical tools to hang with her. Uh Landsberg is a decent striker, so I think if it stays standing, uh she could outpoint her over the course of three rounds, but I just don't see it staying standing. Uh Landsberg's also, you know, probably just as good in the clinch, if not better. But uh chasing if she closes the distance and drags us to the floor, it's only a matter of time until she gets a stoppage. Uh, when Landsberg was put on her back by Aspen Ladd, uh, you know, she got destroyed there. Um, although, you know, she did look better on the ground against Avenger this past June. Uh, but uh, I think On is just so physically strong and dangerous on the ground that I don't think Landsberg survives. So... Uh, what I see happening here is Lansberg gets a few pot shots in early, and then Chason closes the distance, drags her to the floor, and then just starts wailing on her from top position, eventually getting a, a TKO victory from ground and pound. So uh, Chason's going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the featherweight division, we have Giga Chikadze, who is seven and 7-2, taking on Brandon Davis, who is ten and 10-7. Now, Nick, what's the MMA Oddsmakers' perspective on this one?
1: Davis opened minus 180, Chikadze at plus 140. And right now what we're seeing over at BetDSI is minus 164 Davis, Chikadze at plus 137. So line margins have tightened up. Two action is coming into this fight. Tough one to bet. I mean, real quick background story on this. Davis is basically the savvy vet, the experienced veteran, uh, has faced decent competition throughout the UFC. I think he's performed relatively well and is a bit underrated. Um, That said you know, he's not going to be a future title contender, or the upside to him is a little bit less. He's more of an established fighter, and it is what it is with him. You're going to get a solid, tough veteran that's going to bring it across the board. He's got a better ground game here in this matchup against Chikadze as well, so there's a lot to like about Davis. Now, Chikadze is the, again, more hyped prospect in this spot here. Um, He's been obviously more recognized for his kickboxing ability. I mean, the guy's a phenomenal kickboxer, glory kickboxing veteran, of course. Uh, So he has elite level striking and that's where his advantage is going to be over Davis. Davis isn't a fish out of water on the feet by any means, but I think uh, there's a difference in in levels here with Chikadze. He should be able to uh, work Davis over on the feet overall. Uh, But the ground game is where Davis is going to try to exploit Chikazzi. And Chikadze—that that is where he's weaker at. I mean, obviously, he had the ultimate fighter, not the ultimate fighter, contender series, excuse me, the contender series debut that didn't go so well for him. He lost it on the ground. Um, he, he is continuing to develop that skill set. I mean, he works at a great camp, trains with Verdum, Gaslam, Machida. I mean, all those guys at King's MMA. So he's di- getting some great training and he's improving for sure. And again, more upside for him. So this is a winnable fight for him. If he could keep off his ground, off the ground and keep Davis off his back, I think he could win this fight. So that's where it gets a little bit intriguing. And he might be able to do that. This is stylistically a decent match matchup for him but i know that davis is going to go for the ground and i know that that's where he's going to try to exploit and probably have some success against Chikaze. so it's hard for me not to pick davis in this spot uh not one to bet davis in this in this spot here exactly but i do like him as a pick i think davis is the more well-rounded fighter and that should be enough to come through here but i wouldn't be shocked at all if Chikaze gets it done
0: yeah Chikaze is a dangerous striker uh and obviously uh his biggest uh, strength is his kickboxing. He he was a kickboxer before transitioning to MMA. And we've seen some kickboxers have some success in MMA. It's just Chikadze doesn't look like he's worked on his ground game much at all. Um, looks like he had a pretty padded record to earn an opportunity to fight on Contender Series. And then when he fought on Contender Series, he got choked out. So... I really don't think that his ground game is very strong at all. I don't think his takedown defense is particularly good. And uh, I don't think his submission defense is good, but in terms of pure standup, he should have an edge. Uh, Davis is a guy that likes to stand more than anything else. Uh, and he, uh, he does mix it up pretty well, but he's a bit more of a brawler. He's definitely not as technical of a striker as Chikadze. So if this stays standing for three rounds, I would, I would favor Chikadze. Um, and Chikadze does like to, uh, you know, work his kicking game. So he really needs a lot of space to, to operate effectively. But with that kicking game, it opens up, uh, a lot of takedown opportunities. And, and even though Davis is not known for the ground game, I think if he focuses on that here, uh, just works on, you know, even if he doesn't have a particularly great ground game, if he has even some ground game, that should give him enough of an edge to, to take Chikadze's kicking game out of the equation. Um, and I think that that will get him some rounds. If he can just put Chikadze on his back, uh, he might even be able to get a submission, even though that's not his strong suit. Um, the fact that Davis is at least semi well rounded, uh, gives him the edge here. But, uh, Chikadze is just too focused on the one part of his game. Um, that being said, if Davis cannot get the ground game going, if that's not part of his game that is he has any confidence in at all. If he's forced to stand and trade for three rounds, he could lose. But I do think Davis gets a few takedowns, and I think uh, he does end up winning a decision, potentially a submission. Uh, so Davis is my pick, but I am nervous about it because I'm relying on him to do something he hasn't really done much in the UFC. Now, moving on to the welterweight division, we have Sayar Bahadurzada, who is 24-7-1, Taking on Ismail Nardiev, who is 18 and 3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far?
1: Nardiev opened minus 170, Sire plus 130. And what we're seeing right now over at the SI is currently Nardiav at minus one or 227, excuse me, Nardiav 227 to come back on Sire at plus 184. So a line margin have tightened up. Nardiav getting more ac- action, more respect, of course, not really surprised by that. I mean, coming into your UFC debut on short notice and beating a guy like Perzeros, wow, that's something special. I mean, Perzeros is a tank, as we know, even if it's at welterweight or whatnot. So that said, Nardiav had let everybody down the fight after. as a huge favorite against Rinkontur, so it's it's hit or miss with him. You're thinking to yourself, man, this guy's a future title contender. What a stud coming in getting that quality win, and then he has a letdown fight right after that. Now, of course, credit to Rinkontur, because I think a lot of that is just he's been underrated, and it was a great fight for him. I didn't think Rinkontur was going to have that kind of success against Nardioff either, but it showed us some flaws in Nardiav's game. I mean, he does tend to slow down a little bit, and his takedown defense at times against guys like that will suffer, but Nardiav overall is a very complete fighter. He has good offensive wrestling. He's got really good striking. His kicking game is on point as well. So this is going to be a fun fight because Sire, obviously, we all know he loves to stand and bang. The guy has killer power on the feet. He's got that killer instinct as well. He does have a pretty good ground game, underrated ground game, honestly. But for him, it's more that he wants to stand up and knock your head off more than anything else. So in this spot here, I think it's going to be a tough fight for him. Uh, Sire is getting hit a lot more. He's getting older. He's definitely on the decline. He's not in the prime of his career. I think a prime Sire would have definitely been in position to get the W here, actually, over Nardyov. But that said, he's not a prime sire. I think he's getting hit way too much right now. is going to have some success on the feet, maybe even steal a takedown or two. So I think if Nardyov doesn't get finished by sire, I think he's going to win the fight, whether it's on the scorecards or getting a finish of his own. So hard not to like Nardyov in this spot. I understand why they actually came in that way. I mean, you can't be overly confident from what we've seen last time, but this is a different matchup completely. So he should get the job done um over a very experienced and tough veteran in sire.
0: This fight really, to me, boils down to which Nardiev shows up because, um, he was known as the Austrian wonder boy comes in, takes on, uh, Michelle Prezeris on short notice and, uh, beats him, uh, stops a big winning streak for Prezeris. And I thought this guy could potentially be uh, a big player in the, the welterweight division. But, uh, then he takes on chance for encounter and he gets out grappled over the course of three rounds, uh, ends up, uh, getting put on his back too much and loses a decision. So that really shocked me. Uh I, I, I really thought that this guy was uh going places. So we're gonna learn a lot about uh him in this fight because Bahadurzada obviously is very powerful. Um he's a fighter with uh the ability potentially to get top position and drop some bombs, but uh, he's also 10 years older than Nardiev. His striking defense is not very good anymore. He's a, a lot more stagnant in the cage. So Nardiev's gonna be more mobile, he's gonna be more fluid, he's gonna be quicker. Uh, obviously Bahadurzada, if he catches him, he's still, he's still got the power. The power's the last thing to go. But, uh, as long as Nardiev doesn't lay an egg, like he did in that last fight after the first round, um, he should be in good shape here. Uh, Bahadurzada, is capable of being dangerous still, but, uh, you know, he took on a guy that does not have much of a ground game. He could have put on his back and won, uh, in Curtis Millinder, and he ended up losing a decision in that fight, uh, back in uh, December 2018. So, uh, I feel like Bahadur Zada's best days are behind him at this point, and Nardiev is definitely, uh, a, still a strong candidate, uh, for a bounce back performance here, and I think that's what the UFC is kind of hoping for. So, uh, I'm gonna sign with Nardiev. I think that he outpoints Bahadurzada on the feet and potentially picks up some, uh, takedowns along the way as well. So, Nardiev is my pick. Now, moving up to the middleweight division, we have Alessio DeShiriko, who is 12 and three, taking on Makmed Muradov, who is 22 and six. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds makers perspective on this one?
1: DeCherko open minus 230, the comeback on Murdov at plus 170. Crazy, and I'm saying that because if you're looking at it right now, it is Murdov coming in as a favorite minus 149, the comeback on DeCherko at plus 125. So line flipped to say the least, big time action coming in on, on Murdov overall. Everybody realizing that the hype behind him and I mean DeCherko, let's face it here, he he's not going to move the needle per se as, as the UFC likes to say at times, um overall. He's a very solid fighter. I'm not intending any disrespect about that. I'm just saying, you know, he's not a, a guy that's gonna, you know, sell a ton of pay per views or tickets or whatnot like that. He's just a very complete fighter that's underrated. and a very tough test for Murdoff here in this spot. But Murdoff is the one that has a little bit more hype. He's on a eleven fight win streak, um, over decent competition too. It's not like he's fighting all cans. He's a KO artist um, that whether it's on the ground on top in top position on, you know, when he's grappling or on the feet, I mean, I'm uh, more so on the feet than anything else, of course. And he also recently got signed by Floyd Mayweather. I mean, he was one of the first MMA signings under uh, Floyd's management company, I believe. So, a lot to like. And I mean, just that's a head scratcher alone. I mean, Floyd obviously sees something he loves in Murdoch in this spot to sign him and, you know, he believes that he's a future champion or whatnot as well. So there is a lot of hype and a lot of reason that people came in that way. I understand. I mean, the guy has a a really solid wrestling game offensively. And again, he's got that killer striking ability. I mean, he's a K artist, whether whether it's his hands or his feet, really, he can light you up. So this guy is definitely an intriguing prospect and he's going to only get better. Like I said, 11 fights in a row, man, the guy's on a serious, serious run but the I think is going to be a tough test for him I think the Cherico actually is going to be putting the pressure on I think he's the one that's going to be pushing forward a little bit and as the fight progresses I trust him a little bit more because I think he's just a little bit more steady he's the one that's been in there he's not going to have those uh, octagons those UFC octagon jitters that they say um which is true I mean mentally he'll be a little bit more focused he'll be able to take it easy and I think he he's the type of fighter that pushes forward will we'll pick up the pace as it goes. And I'm not sure if Murdoff, in his UFC debut, at least in round two and round three, is going to be able to put up with that pace. I, I see him in, in a lot of his fights. If he's not having a lot of success early on, he does start to backpedal a little bit and slow down. And if that's the case, I think the Jericho could come in here and steal this fight. So Maybe the opening line, I mean, not at that price, of course, but maybe he should be a slight favorite here in this. I mean, until we see Murdoff really get tested in the UFC, you can make an argument that it's going to be a close, close fight. So, I mean, the betting line kind of indicates it as well right now. Um, it's not like Murdoff is a huge favorite over DeCherico, even though the line flipped. So I'm expecting a competitive fight. The line's saying it's going to be a competitive fight. I'm actually going to go the other way and pick DeCherico. I think that he's getting a little bit underrated in this spot, and I think he can do enough to get this W here, so... I'll go with the dog money. I'll go with DeCherico, but it should be an awesome fight. And like I said, sky's the limit for Murdov from what we've seen.
0: Yeah, I understand the hype for Murdov. I mean, this is a guy with uh, some serious knockout power. This is a guy that's got the hype behind him from Floyd Mayweather, um, coming out of Uzbekistan. Um, uh, he's, he's a dangerous fighter and, uh, he's not just getting wins. He's getting wins against. Uh, some very talented fighters uh, outside the UFC getting some wins over UFC veterans like uh, Alberto Uda, Wendell Oliveira, getting knockout wins over them. So uh, I think, you know, and this is a guy that stayed active. This will be, I think, his fifth fight so far in 2019. So, you know, he's he's made a quick rise this year, especially now that he's got uh, the the backing from one of the, the greatest boxers of all time. So... Uh, Murdoch's a guy that I'm excited about. Um he's he's a guy that absolutely deserves to be here. Um he's a well-rounded fighter. He's he's pretty mobile on the feet. He has serious stopping power and if he can get top position, he has pretty good ground and pound as well. Um and, you know, while he's not uh super young, uh he's still 29, so he definitely has some room to grow. Um Deshiriko on the other hand, you know, this is a guy that I think hasn't quite uh lived up to expectations so far in the UFC um he's lost some tough decisions um most recently losing another close one to Kevin Holland but he also is in close fights constantly so uh, he's he's not a guy that people just uh destroy when they beat him uh you know he has uh split decisions against uh Julian Marquez split decision or close decision to Kevin Holland uh you know it just those are the types of fights he gets into um so i think uh what happens here is uh muradov is going to be the more dangerous fighter he's going to be having the threat of the finish uh deshiriko though will be putting some pressure on him he'll be moving forward aggressively potentially looking for some takedowns uh potentially you know just trying to force muradov to fight on his back foot and trying to slow Muradov down. Um, you gotta remember, Muradov is stepping in on short notice for, for this fight, replacing, uh, Peter Sabata, I think on about two weeks notice. So even though he's been very active this year and he's stayed, uh, in shape, uh, you know, UFC debut on short notice, a lot, a lot of times fighters, uh, you know, they have that adrenaline dump early. So if Muradov can avoid that adrenaline dump, I think he wins. Uh, if he slows down, then maybe Nick's right. But I'm going to side with Muradov. I think the threat of uh, the finish uh, is a little bit more important than uh, Deshiriko just being aggressive. So I'm going to side with Muradov. Hopefully I don't look dumb, but Muradov is going to be my pick. I think he might even win by knockout. Now, sticking with the middleweight division, we have Alan Amadovsky, who is eight and 8-1, taking on John Phillips, who is 21 and 21-9. Now, Nick... What's the MMA odds makers perspective on this one?
1: Amadovsky opened minus one hundred and ninety to come back on Phillips at plus one hundred and fifty, and right now what we're seeing over at BetDSI is Amadovsky down to minus one hundred and twenty-seven, the power of Phillips at plus one hundred and five. So everybody coming in Phillips's way, I'd get it, man. This is gonna be a strikers delight, kind of, sort of, say, I guess, because both these guys love to stand and bang. Both these guys have nasty knockout power in a different ways. I mean, Phillips is your more brute, strong like bull that's going to come in there and knock your head off. Amadovsky a little bit more technical and he's got underrated power. I mean, if you look at the guy, you don't think he's got a lot of power, but when he connects with some of his attacks, man, he does some damage. So this is going to be an awesome fight. This can be fireworks. So I get it. I mean, striker versus striker, both knock artists. I can understand why people came in on the dog on money on Phillips. Phillips is not an easy out. I mean, if you look at the fights that he's had thus far in the UFC, even though he's not successful, he's delivered some punishment to his opponents and he's a tough, tough durable out that said, I still think Amadovsky is a little bit better overall. I think he's the better technical striker. Um, I think if he this fight goes to the floor, he's actually going to have the edge. I mean, his UFC debut against Jotko, he lost that fight. He got dominated on the ground. This is not Phillips. That's not Phillips. So this is a completely different matchup. I understand he didn't look that great. There was some hype coming in to that fight for uh, Amadovsky as well. Um, I think he's going to show more of what he's really like in this bout here. So it, I actually think that the opening line was a little bit more justified, and I'm going to lean Amadovsky myself.
0: Yeah, and I like Amadovsky too. Uh, John Phillips, you know, we kind of know what he is at this point. He's in the UFC. He's known as the white Mike Tyson. He has a lot of power, but he just doesn't back it up with much technique. He's not particularly good on the ground. He's doesn't really have much of a submissions or wrestling game. Uh, on the feet, he has power, but not much technique there either. Um, so Amadovsky should be able to, uh, be the better striker in open space. Uh Amadovsky, I think uh is going to be quicker. He's going to have uh some more technical skill. He can mix it up better. Um, and uh I think he potentially could even take this to the floor if he really wants even though he did get out wrestled by Zhatko in his UFC debut. So, uh I think uh yeah, this is Amadovsky's fight to lose. Uh Phillips just he is what he is at this point. I really don't think he's UFC caliber. Uh, the only way he wins fights to me is if somebody gets suckered into a brawl against him and they're trading big shots and he's the one that lands cleaner. So uh, I think uh, Amadovsky gets the better of him. I think Amadovsky works from the outside, outpoints him, uh, lands the, the better strikes on the feet and then potentially also could uh, land uh, some takedowns. Um, the threat of the knockout will be there with Phillips because he does have a lot of power, but as long as Amadovsky stays technically sound, I think it's going to be difficult for Phillips to land that big one shot. So Amadovsky going to be my pick. I think he wins relatively convincingly, maybe even by knockout. Now, moving on to the main card, we have a welterweight contest between Alex Oliveira, who is 27 and 1. Taking on the returning Nicholas Dalby, who is 17 3 and 1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so
1: far? Oliveira opened minus 185, the comeback on Dalby plus 145. Currently, it is Oliveira minus 139, the comeback on Dalby plus 115 at Bet So line margins have tightened up, more actually coming in Dalby's way. I'm a little surprised. I'm glad to see it, though, because I think Dalby has a realistic shot at winning this fight. I mean, if you look at his first UFC stint, Dobby did some good things. I mean, he just didn't have that success that a lot of people were expecting f- for sure. Uh, he's a pretty well-rounded fighter, underrated in many aspects of the game. I'll tell you what, Dalby, since he he did kind of get released, he's had he's battled through some personal demons, um, some you know depression, all sorts of stuff that he. He got himself kind of squared away mentally, physically, and he's never been better as far as um, you know, ready, mentally prepared for coming back to the UFC. So I'm ready for his second stint as well. I think he's going to do some good things. And starting off with a win over a very respected fighter like Oliveira is a, a good way to go. And I think he has a shot to possibly do that. With that said, the more dangerous fighters, obviously, Oliveira, I mean, he's somewhat of a front runner, of course, in most of his fights, but man, he's dangerous everywhere the fight takes place. He gets your back, he could choke you out. Um, obviously, on the feet, he's got some power and unorthodox wild kind of style as well. So he is definitely the more threat. Dalby's a more steady, consistent fighter, but Oliveira does start to have difficulties if the fighter kind of survives early on and you know, round two, round three kind of hits a little bit. Um, Dalby could probably make it interesting in round two and round three and maybe steal those rounds to win the fight. So that's where it gets interesting. I think Oliveira is definitely the more dangerous and more capable fighter, but as it goes, I think Dalby might be able to get it done. So I'm going to pick Oliveira uh, as far as the betting window goes. So it's definitely a dog or pass situation. So I understand why everybody came in that way. I just still want to see it from Dalby before I actually pick him straight out. And again, this is one of those fights that I could definitely flip back and forth. So on fight day, make sure you guys check out MMAOddsBreaker.com and check out our staff picks. At times, Brian and I might change our pick. Hasn't happened for a while, I believe. But um, So our final selections are made there in fights like this when we're kind of on the fence a little bit. And I am on the Dalby Oliveira fight as far as pure pick goes. I'm going to lean Olivera, but again, it's a dogger pass situation. I certainly wouldn't lay no chalk on Olivera in this fight.
0: I'm a I'm a fan of Dalby. I'm I'm proud of him for getting back to the UFC. Uh he's gone uh 3-0 and uh one-no contest in his last four fights, so definitely earned the opportunity to fight here again. But uh the biggest problem with Dalby is there's really just no threat of the finish. Uh he's not a particularly effective uh top control guy looking for submissions and he doesn't have a lot of power um what he has going for him is that he's he's relatively well-rounded and he has a good gas tank um but even when he faces people who are completely gassed like when uh you know Darren Till just completely got as gassed as I've I've seen a fighter uh, in the 3rd round against him Dalby still couldn't put him away uh ended up getting a 10-8 round could have even been a 10-7 round but couldn't put him away so ends up being a draw so uh, against Alex Oliveira, it feels like, uh, if Dalby's gonna win, he's going to have to, uh, take over in rounds two and three if, uh, Oliveira gasses. And while Oliveira does slow down in fights, that usually only happens when he has an opponent on the ropes early. And, uh, Oliveira should have the, uh, the threat of the finish here. Uh Oliver, I think, has more punching power. I think Oliveira is the better grappler of the two. He's more dangerous in terms of getting a TKO or submission victory on the ground as well. So uh he could potentially run out of steam. But I think for the most part, Olivera is just going to be the more dangerous fighter in the first round or two. And then Dalby might be able to to come on strong in the third round, but I just don't think it's going to be enough. So... Uh, you know, props for Dalby getting back to the UFC, but uh, I feel like Alex Oliveira is going to be a little bit too much for him here. I think he's going to land the bigger shots in the first couple rounds, and I think he could also get top position in uh, those, those first couple rounds. So Alex Oliveira is going to be my pick. I think he wins either by decision or maybe even a stoppage. Now, moving up to the light heavyweight division, we have Oban St. Peru, who is 23 and 13, taking on uh, Michael Oleg Saychuk, who is 14 and 2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds maker's perspective on this one?
1: Ola Saychuk opened minus 210 the comeback on OSP, plus 160. Right now... Looking over at BetDSI, we are seeing Oles Achek minus 256 to come back on Ovin Singh at plus 205. So limers have tightened up, more action coming in on Oles Achek, people fading OSP's decline. The decline is real and it is definitely. There's no question about OSP not being in the prime of his career and, and really looking not like himself overall lately. I mean, he's in a little funk for sure. This is a must-win situation for OSP, And despite everybody kind of jumping on a little HX bandwagon, and rightfully so, I mean, the guys look like an absolute beast thus far in the UFC there's a path to victory for OSP, and it's the ground game. So I know Olesacek has had a 100 takedown defense this far, and he's an outstanding striker. And if he keeps his fight upright, even though OSP can be dangerous at times on the feet, he's going to smoke OSP in this matchup. So I, I'm pretty confident that'll happen if it stays upright overall more times than not. But I still think that that takedown defense is going to be exploited here by OSP, and it's it's a potentially an easier path to victory. I mean, once OSP gets on the ground, he definitely has an advantage over most competition in the UFC that he's faced, right? So he's got that ground and pound. He's got the ability to, to submit people as well. We, and he can get the takedowns now as the fight progresses though. I mean, it's hard to trust OSP He, st- he is starting to slow down. And again, he's a, um, the decline is definitely real on him. So you can't really trust him all that much. So I understand. And I'm actually going to pick Ola Sacek to get the job done here because I mean, he's again, the upside he's, this fight is kind of more catered towards him getting a win over a savvy vet and experienced vet like OSP and, and kind of skyrocketing his career to the next level with Old Sake and get it done. So I get it. I understand it. I think he can probably finish OSP on the feet, but At the betting window where the price is now, it's a dog or pass situation. Despite me thinking Olishech can knock OSP out, I mean, the value is on the underdog at that price for sure. So I I think that we have to kind of see what Olishech has against the guy that is going to try to take him to the ground. And I think that's OSP here. I mean, if OSP tries to stand and bang with Olishech, he deserves to get knocked out. So he should know, his camp should know what he needs to do here. And despite, you know, not maybe not looking easy to do, I think he can get it here. That's where the interesting kind of factors in for me and see if he, he can implement that game plan and get it done. So I'll pick LSA check, but, I mean, if you guys are betting this, just be very careful because I think OSP can get it done underground. And as the line keeps on climbing back up, it's a dog or pass situation. Take a little stab at OSP.
0: And I can understand uh OSP having a ground edge. Um, you know, OSP has a, a strong ground game for the most part. Uh, you know, I remember back in the, the Strikeforce days when he was threatening people with calf slicers all the time. And when he does get wins in the UFC, it's either been, uh, knockout on the feet or, uh, you know, stuff like Von Flu chokes on the ground, uh, or arm blocks, uh, against, uh, Tyson Pedro or, you know, so, so he's definitely capable of getting, uh, submissions. And that really is his best chance to victory here because, uh, Oleg Sejcik is dangerous on the feet. You know, this is a guy that I really underestimated, um, he survived the first round against Khalil Roundtree and then came on strong in rounds two and three to win those, but then had the the fight overturned. But since then, uh, he's taken care of business. Uh, he's faced two guys and beat them both in, uh, less than two and a half minutes for the most part. So, uh, in Antigulov and Volante, uh, just both impressive first round finishes. So, uh, and Antigulov's a guy that wants to take it to the floor, and he just did not let it happen. He just smashed him on the feet. So, uh, Oleg Sejcik is definitely a potential player right now in the light heavyweight division, and uh, this will be a really good test for him because uh, Ovin St. Pru is a veteran. He's been in there against some of the best in the world, um, and it, he is on a decline, in my opinion. You know, he's lost three of four. Um, before that, uh, he, you know, was looking okay, but, uh, you know, he's 36 years old now, um, and uh, Nikita Krylov was able to get revenge against him in his last fight, which surprised me a little bit. Um, you know, Ovin St. Pru does not have the greatest conditioning. He, his chin is starting to go a little bit, but he does have power and he does still have a decent ground game if he's in top position. So if I'm Oleg Sejcik, I keep my distance. I just try to take him out on the feet, connect on that chin and, uh, get a TKO victory because, uh, you know, why screw around? Um, if, uh, Ovin Sapru does get this to the floor, he's, he's always going to have the threat. Definitely don't hold on to a guillotine choke against him. He's got three von Flu chokes in his career. So, um, but, uh, Oleg Sejic, the, the one area that Nick mentioned that he's really untested is, uh, his ground game. Uh, if he does get put on his back, it, this could be interesting. So we could learn a lot about Oleg Sejic here, but, uh, what we do know is he's got some power, uh, and he can take people out in a hurry. Uh, so, uh, right now he's a a fringy top 15 guy, but if he goes out there and smashes Ovin St. Pru, he's a legitimate top 15, uh, light heavyweight. So, uh, I think that he does pass this test. Um, you know, maybe the betters are coming in a little too hard on Oleg Sejic, but, uh, you know, they are betting him for a reason. You know, this is a guy that's been on a nice little stretch. Um, he's looked good against, uh, the UFC fighters he's faced so far. And I think that he does get that big win. I think uh, he does knock Ovin Saint Prue out. I think the timing is right for this matchup to be made, and uh, I think Oleg Sejic connects and does take Ovin Saint Prue out at some point in this fight. So my um, I pick Oleg Sejic. I think he wins by knockout. Now sticking with the light heavyweight division, we have Ion Kutalawa, who is fifteen and four, taking on Khalil Roundtree, who is eight and three. Now Nick, what's the MMA odds
1: makers perspective on this one? Man, what a fun fight. Rontree opens minus 140 to come back in Kudalaba at even money. And right now what we're seeing over at BetDSI is Rontree minus 122, Kudalaba plus 102. So lines stayed basically the same. Line margins have tightened up a little bit. There's going to continue to be two action in this fight. I mean, Rontree's just a beast on the feet. We know that. I mean, we see what he's capable of doing. When he's on, he's on. He's hard to stop. He's got knockout power. He's got that technical skill set he's hard to hold down for the most part on the ground. And, but that is definitely an area that he can still be exploited at. So I think that Roundtree is getting better. He's putting in the work. He is a bit chinny at times as well. So let's not be fooled by that. I mean, offensively, he could dish it out. Like, I mean, very few can, but defensively, he is getting tagged at times. He's been dropped and knocked out and hurt. And then of course on the ground, like I said, he can be exploited. So that's kind of why I like Kudalaba in this matchup. I understand that Roundtree is going to give him all he can handle and not going to be an easy guy to take down, but Kudalaba Kudalaba, I think, can knock Roundtree out. He's more durable. I think Kudalaba can also mix in a takedown or two along the way and maybe edge out the scorecards if, if he does so. So I know, again, the improvement in is real. I, I'm glad to see it. But I think Kudalaba's probably getting underrated a little bit in this fight matchup because is such a stud fighter on the feet. I think Kudalaba, again, even if they're starting to trade in the pocket maybe not the smartest idea with Roundtree, but I think if Kudalaba lands his, he could probably have some success as well. So on the feet, it's going to be close. Uh, Both of these guys have a puncher's chance, but again, Kudalaba is the more durable of the two. I trust him there. And on the ground, I think it's actually going to be Kudalaba if he hits the floor, get in top position at times as well. So he can win. I think he can edge out the scorecards, or he could possibly knock Roundtree out. And I think if is going to win, of course he can win on the cards, but I think it's more so maybe by finish, even though Kudalaba is a durable fighter. So I just think this, everything's kind of pointing to me that Kudalaba is going to get it done here. Um, and I'm going to go that up. So obviously there might be some value at the price right now. And if you get plus money even more so on Kudalaba, then I, it's worth a small stab as well. I can
0: understand, uh, Kudalaba because he does have more ways to win here. You know, this is a guy with a lot of power. He's aggressive. He pushes a high tempo and he does occasionally look for takedowns. So. Uh, Roundtree, on the other hand, though, is so much more technical on the feet. I mean, he is powerful, he's dangerous, he has explosive kickboxing, uh, heavy, heavy hands. You know, this is a guy that, uh, took out a world-class kickboxer in, inside the octagon. So, uh, you know, I have a lot of faith in Khalil Roundtree. I think if this stays standing, Roundtree's gonna get the better of Kutalaba. Uh, my main problem, though, is Kutalaba is very durable. Uh, he, he can eat shots and keep coming. So, Roundtree could tire himself out, uh, landing. Uh, Roundtree, you know, I, I thought that he should have been able to finish Eric Anders in his last fight, knocking him down at least four times. Couldn't quite get the job done. Did win a one-sided decision though. Uh, but Kutalaba might be able to keep going after getting hurt. Um, Kutalaba could get takedown. So, I, I understand, uh, that Kutalaba has more ways to win, but Kutalaba for the most part does like to stay standing. So, um, I think this fight's gonna be entertaining, but, I'm leaning Roundtree. I think uh if it stays standing, Roundtree's definitely going to get the better of him, but uh chin-wise, if Kudalaba can connect, uh Roundtree get hurt. So, should be a very entertaining scrap, but I'm leaning Roundtree. I think the the superior technical striker gets the job done. Now, moving down to the welterweight division, we have Gunnar Nelson, who is 17-4-1, taking on Gilbert Burns, who is 16-3. Now, Nick
1: uh where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far nelson opened minus 130 the comeback on burns at minus 110 and right now looking over at bet dsi we are seeing burns the favorite of minus 128 plus 107 on nelson line flipped i'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this fight here because pretty much we know what it's about i mean burns moving up to welterweight nelson has been more of a welterweight obviously longer i think nelson's going to be the stronger fighter as far as top position goes here. And I think he's going to get to the ground and be able to neutralize Burns' submissions, obviously, offense, and, and probably grind out a decision win over Burns. On the feet is where I, everybody's uh, betting Burns. They think they can neutralize. This will be a neutralized fight on the ground, of course. Rightfully so. These two are high-level jiu-jitsu practitioners that will neutralize each other. I don't think these guys can submit each other unless they have each other hurt first. Maybe that's possible. But so that I think it's a wash as far as jiu-jitsu skill goes. But I think the wrestling, you have to favor Nelson in this spot. Um, that said, on the feet, Burns's boxing is definitely better. He's been getting more confident if, and Nelson's been hittable. I mean, Nelson, to me, is on a bit of a decline and Burns is kind of on the rise. So I get it. But let's not forget Burns is in his own right, and Nelson does have some knockout power. He's got that karate style that even on the feet it wouldn't shock me if he connects with something and knocks Burns out. So everybody thinking that Burns is just going to walk through Nelson even on the feet, I'm not so sure about that. I know he's got the advantage in the boxing realm, especially how he's he's been lately, but overall, I think it's Nelson probably grinding out a rest of the decision, boring, lackluster type of win. So it's a darker pass situation. I'm going to actually pick Nelson to win.
0: Yeah, and I'm right with you. Uh, you know, Nelson is just... He's basically the Gilbert Burns of the 170-pound division when Gilbert Burns was at light lightweight. Uh, now Burns is moving up, but Nelson's been there. He's been facing superior competition at 170 pounds. Uh, both guys do have some uh, ability to hurt each other on the feet. Burns might even have a bit more one-punch power, but I think Nelson's going to be quicker. Nelson's going to be slicker on the ground. Uh, Nelson... I think we'll uh, be able to keep a pace going a little bit longer. Um, and unless Burns cracks Nelson on the feet and takes him out, um, I don't think Burns can out-grapple Nelson. So I think this is going to be Nelson's fight to lose. Uh, I think uh, people are definitely underestimating uh, Gunnar Nelson just because he had a couple bad performances against elite fighters in the division. So uh, Nelson's going to be my pick. I think he might even be able to stop Burns along the way. Now moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the lightweight division, we have Mark Madsen, who is eight and zero, taking on Danilo Belwardo, who is twelve and four. Now, Nick,
1: what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Madsen open minus four hundred, Belardo at plus two eighty, and right now what you're seeing over at is... Madsen's steamed up. Not a surprise. I mean, if you know the background and you know the hype around Madsen, of course. Minus 714 right now. is down to plus or up to plus 487, I should say. So more action coming in Madsen way, Madsen's way. Look, if you don't know the background, he's an Olympic record Roman wrestler. He won the silver medal. The guy's a beast, an absolute beast when it comes to getting the fight to the floor and just pounding on people, getting the submissions. I mean, he's a ground fighter. Make no mistake about it. His stand-up for this level is not that bad. I mean, he's got some power on the feet. Um... He throws some good feints at you, and you know, and he, he comes after it, digs at the body. There's some stuff to like about his stand up. I mean, all that stuff is to get the fight to the floor. He's a pressure fighter. He wants to use his takedown ability in ground game and as he should, it's amazing. So that's where it's at with him. But Ardo, on the other hand, is the better striker for sure. I think he's a, a more well-rounded fighter, but the problem here is he's already been exploited. The- uh by a worse wrestler and i think in, in this spot here that's what's going to happen to him he's going to end up getting put to the ground and then i think matts is going to get positioned and be able to stop him and finish him on the ground so even though Belardo is the better fighter i think still path to victory for Matson's right there it's too obvious it's too clear so i mean i wouldn't bet it though at minus 700 again this is the ufc this is a big step up for Matson overall even though you know he's well he has faced not so great competition Belardo has faced a better comp overall so i think this is a test for him and if, to pass this test which i'm expecting he's going to do you know, he's still 7-1, to no way. I mean, the early value around, like I said, what was it, 400 or so? I understand it, but 700, forget it. So my pick is Madsen to do what he does best, get it to the ground, and win the fight.
0: And I'm right with you. Uh Madsen is being a silver medalist in the Olympics as a wrestler, taking on a fighter whose only UFC appearance so far, he got taken down and grounded and pounded TKO'd uh, in his only UFC fight. Um I mean, that just speaks volumes here. Uh, Madsen really hasn't faced great competition, so I can't promise that he's going to be able to easily replicate that game plan, but the blueprint's there to beat Belwardo. Uh, don't stand with him. Uh, Bilardo does have a little bit of pop. Don't screw around too much on the ground. Belwardo, you know, does know what he's doing a little bit on the ground. So if I'm Madsen, I mean, I just get this guy to the ground, get top position, try to advance to a dominant position and then just go to work. Uh, maybe Madsen can't get a TKO because, you know, his three cage warriors fights all went the distance, but I think he can do more than enough to uh, ride out a decision from top position. So I think this is, should be a pretty one-sided fight and uh, Madsen should get the job done in front of the, the hometown crowd. Now, moving on. To the main event of the evening in the middleweight division, we have Jack Hermanson, who is 20 and four, taking on Jared Cannoneer, who is 12 and four. Now, Nick, where did this
1: fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Hermanson minus 210, Cannoneer plus 160 was the opener. Right now over at Betty's we are seeing Hermanson minus 278, the comeback on Cannoneer coming in at plus 224. So line Mergers have tied up more action coming in, in Hermanson's way. Man, I mean, I'll tell you what, I've underestimated Hermanson throughout his UFC career thus far, I admit it. The guy is definitely better than I thought he was. Now, that said, he fought, he's coming off of a, a great, huge win, which is deserving. I mean, like I said, I, I was shocked that he was able to beat Jacques Ray like he did, to be honest with you, obviously. So that said, maybe we're looking a little bit too much into giving him all that credit because Jacques Ray is a declining fighter. But like I said, I've underestimated Hermanson throughout his career. The guy definitely has an amazing ground game. Uh, he's been submitted himself. So defensively at times, I think to myself, man, he can get caught by these upper echelon guys. But I mean, again, again Jacare, he was out grappling him. He was out striking him. I was surprised, definitely. And and Hermanson, even before that fight, obviously, I mean, you could see the growth and you could see the dominance in his ground game. I mean, he gets top position, he could mount you, he could destroy you on the ground. He's done it. Um, All it takes is one takedown for this guy to beat you. So he's got that kind of finishing ability on the ground, and his stand-up continues to improve, so the guy's getting better. And again, I mean, he's definitely better than I thought he ever was, and he continues to make some waves and climb that ladder. He has another tough test here in Cannoneer though. It's not going to be an easy fight. Cannonier has looked like a beast in his own right, man. I mean, I can't believe he was a heavyweight at one time. I mean, if you look at him, he's a chiseled guy right now in the middleweight division, and, and he's a beast to, to deal with. If he could keep this fight upright against Hermanson, he's going to knock Hermanson out. I mean, he's going to do a lot of damage. Even though Hermanson's stand-up's improving, he don't want to deal with Cannonier on the feet here. No way. So so Hermanson, I mean, the path of victory for him is get this fight to the ground. Cannonier has been taken down in the past. I mean, I think that's obviously the path of victory here. So Kananier is going to have to keep off the ground. His submission defense is pretty good, though. I give Kananier a lot of credit. But from what we've seen from Hermanson, I don't want to take that risk as far as, you know, having him on top of me trying to utilize his ground game. So I'm going to pick Hermanson to win, but if Kananier can avoid getting put on his back and avoid that submission and get back to his feet somehow some way he's going to win this fight so I wouldn't bet it honestly this is just one of those spots where I think Hermanson is probably getting a little bit too much respect based on those quality wins that he's had recently I'm not so sure that he's as good as we think but again I've underestimated in the past I've been wrong about him so he's kind of hard to pick for me honestly so I'm going to pick him to win this fight but I'm not going to bet him at nearly three to one over can Cannonier's look like, like a beast despite the ground in this fight, I still think Cananeir might be able to get it done. So I'm not as confident as everybody else betting this fight, but I do think Hermanson gets it done. So it's a pick for Hermanson, and as far as a bet goes, you probably want to stay away. Cananeir definitely
0: has looked like a new man in the middleweight division with those wins, uh, stoppage wins over uh, David Branch and and Anderson Silva. Uh, but first off, I need to apologize to to Jack Hermanson. I mean, I thought he was going to get destroyed by. Uh, by Jacare in his last fight and he just took care of business. Uh he he was so aggressive and strong His his striking. It, it kind of reminded me of Kobe Covington where, you know, he's not the most technically sound striker, but he was just aggressive and pushed a strong pace for the whole fight and his opponent just couldn't keep up with him. So, uh you know major props to Hermanson for the evolution of his game because uh when he first debuted in the UFC, he was not a very good striker at all. Um he wasn't even that great uh with his ground and pound, but the, he really turned a corner. And, uh, now he's strong on the ground, devastating ground and pound, good submissions on the ground. And now he's starting to hold his own on the feet as well. Uh, and he needs, he's going to need that because, uh, he's going to have to find those opportunities to get Cannoneer to respect him a little bit to open up opportunities to get the fight to the floor because that's where he's going to have shine here. Uh, Cannoneer is explosive. He's powerful very dangerous on the feet uh, and Hermanson uh, is going to need to exploit Cannoneer's weakness, which is the ground game. I mean, we've seen it. Uh, Cannoneer got completely smothered uh, by Glover Teixeira. He got taken down by Jan Blachowicz. Uh The ground game is just clearly uh, a weakness for him. He's uh, he not do particularly well when put on his back. Um, he can survive there, but that's about it at this point. So uh, if, Hermanson can get Cannoneer down and keep him down. I think it's only a matter of time until the ground and pound does uh, enough damage to wear Cannoneer down and get the TKO. But this is a battle between two guys that have a ton of momentum in the middleweight division. Uh, Both fighters have defeated some elite opponents uh, and are knocking on the door for a title shot. Absolutely. Like, if Hermanson wins, he deserves the next shot. Honestly, he should get uh, the the winner of the next uh, middleweight main event. So... Uh, and Cannoneer potentially could get it as well. So, you know, this is a really, really intriguing fight. But uh the thing that really uh I can't get out of the back of my head is Cannoneer's struggles on the ground against really strong ground fighters and how good Herminton has been at getting fights to the floor and dominating on the floor against people that have some weaknesses there. Uh Even fighters that have some strengths on the ground, he's been able to get it to the floor and dominate them there. So uh, I think that's really what has set Hermanson apart. Um, he's really taken his game to the next level inside the octagon. And I think at some point he does take Cannoneer down. He keeps him down and he just starts dropping bombs. So uh, I think Hermanson gets a ground and pound TKO by maybe the second or third round. So Hermanson's going to be my pick. So that'll do it for a full event breakdown for UFC on ESPN plus 18. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMA OB Premium on Twitter, because that's where we'll post them first. We can also notify you of our free bets via email alert if you prefer that method. Just send an email to picks at mmaozbreaker.com and we'll add you to our free bet mailing list. Special thanks to BetDSI. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this week.